your favorite beverage, kick up your feet as you ascend with me into the joy portal of soul reflections, fresh perspectives, fun ideas, and wisdom. Light to light and heart to heart. Smile and breathe even deeper as together we will soar above the perception of all hurdles and shine brightly as the light we are. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Light Laughter and Lattes. My name is Jerry Habstreet. I'm an evasive quantum healer, medical intuitive, self-ascension intuitive counselor, and your friend and soul connection for the next hour. So welcome Oneness Talk Radio Facebook, Oneness Talk Radio YouTube, Oneness Talk Radio, and also all of those out there who are listening via podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and all the affiliates. Welcome and happy new moon. And so the new moon is tomorrow. And it's exciting because every time a new moon comes around, we have the opportunity to create a new. So what new things do you want to call into your life? What do you want to start a new pattern, a new project? And, um, you know, you can, you, it's always fun to create the new things, the new house, the new car, the new relationships. But ultimately, the ultimate creation is you, you, you are the paintbrush of your creation. And Gaia is the place where we get to paint upon. It's our canvas. And so our paintbrush, which is us, is all the energy. It's all the stuff that we focus on. It's how open our heart is or not. It's our belief systems, our unhealed emotions, the people we talk to, the people we are connected with, you know, the foods we eat. It's everything. And all of that makes up the paint on our paintbrush. And so Ultimately, if you want a greater experience, a happier experience, a more joyful experience in your outer world, you would work on creating the new you. So calling in, it's a great time to call in an, a higher state of consciousness or maybe healing or opening the heart more. All of those things will assist you to make a new painting in the outer world. And so we are going to have an opportunity to do that today. Um, I'm going to have near the end of, of our time together, um, we will be doing a new moon kirtan chanting ceremony. And this is a lovely way to bring in the harmonium and the chanting and really bring our creation or ideas, ideas into form. And so I'm going to have with me my special guest, Kathleen Carlson, and I'm going to bring her in in just a moment. Kathleen is not only a Kirtan artist, but she's a spiritual artist. She's an author. She has written two books, um, one vocal medicine, Transformation Through Singing, and she is a mother. And due to these shows, this is like the third time I've had her on, but never a live show like this before, now a friend as well. And so I'm going to invite Kathleen in. Hi. Hi. How are you, Jerry? <laughs> so much fun to have you here and your beautiful art to add to our new moon ceremony. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, the art in the background there, that is called Twin, oh, Twin Spiral, Spiral Universes. 
So I, I've been an artist um, for quite a long time. I was an artist in college, but it wasn't until about 2005 that I, I had been painting flowers and landscapes and I was really trying to figure out like, how could I paint a picture that represented the ultimate for me, you know, that represented God. And the closest that I could come up with was some of the images that you see from the Hubble, Hubble telescope. And so from that point, um, I didn't paint specific Hubble telescope images, but I used them as inspiration. And uh, so then I started painting in, you know, this very abstract uh, kind of very colorful uh, images that you see in the background. So I've done a whole series of suns and moons and galaxies and planets and, um, and yeah, so I just, I love all of that stuff. You know, I love astronomy. I love planetariums, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's where it started. So awesome. I love that we get to have this as our backdrop today, though. It's, it's fantastic. And so, um, you know, tell us a little bit how you got started with doing the Kirtan music, because that's really, really a specialty. I don't know many people who play the harmonium and, and do this. Right. Yeah. I don't think I had, I don't know if I'd ever seen one until maybe five or six years ago. And I actually went to a Christmas party and there, the son of a friend of mine had just come back from India and she said, oh, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna to do a chant for us at the end of this Christmas party. And I was like, what is that instrument? And when I heard like the Sanskrit chanting, I had heard it, I had heard it before when I was in college, I had gone to a rebirthing conference and I heard one chant. And spent months chanting that one chant, but then I didn't know that there was more. So fast forward like three decades <laughs> from that point, and, and then I'm at this Christmas party. So I started hosting Kirtan that that person would lead, and you know, I, I didn't know that it existed outside of the style and the particular chants that he does. Um, and then he went on about his way, you know, onto another phase in his life. And I thought, you know, I can't lose this. And the only way I could come up with was I had to learn how to do this myself. So bought a harmonium. I had played piano, but not, you know, not, uh, um, not a harmonium. Took some lessons at a distance, went for like three different levels of training in Colorado and came back here to Bozeman, Montana and just, uh, started leading my own kirtan because I loved it so much. It was the only way that I could get as much as I wanted. So yeah, so that's been a little over three years now that I've been leading kirtan myself. And you have, um, can you share your story of what really, what really got you to step out and really claim this and do this? Yeah, it was, um, so I have five children and um, as, as uh, many mothers will attest that there's things that you will do for your children that you wouldn't do just for yourself. So I have a son who had a very serious mountain biking accident. He had a, a traumatic brain injury. And it was, it was a fascinating situation because of course in brain injuries, there's not always a lot that can be done medically and you don't know what the outcome will be because it's very hard to tell what's gonna happen. And when, when someone has a really severe blow to the head, it can open up all kinds of spiritual abilities and psychic abilities and things like that, which he was a 13-year-old boy. 
and it was just absolutely overwhelming for him. And he and I spent about 18 months together, day and night, um, like it was as though he was a toddler. And I, I slept on his floor in his room, held his hand, and that really started bringing me back to um, healing with color, healing with music, meditation, visualization, you know, all of these things that um, I'd really set aside, you know, that I had known even as a teenager that that this was my calling and, and that this is what I was going to do. I wanted to be, you know, to heal with art and music. Um, but, you know, life goes on and you do all kinds of things and you have a family and you're busy and you're running businesses. And uh, so his accident really pulled me back to my own mission. And at one point we went to see a medical intuitive uh, there in Boise and I was asking her, you know, what can we do? Because he was, he was at a point where he couldn't attend school. I mean, he was really struggling. He'd sit down to do a page of math and he thought it was all correct and half of it was wrong and he wasn't even aware of it, you know, so he had, he was really affected in, you know, many different ways. So the medical intuitive said, well, you and he have a contract and a lot of what he's going through is to pull you back into your mission and to help you fulfill um, your mission and that's part of his contract and part of the reason why you know he's your son and why this all happened so I had the sense that if if I don't pursue this you know like what's gonna happen next you know <laughs> you know and and sure enough you know I pursued it for a little while and and then life went on again and just around the time that I found Kirtan he sort of cycled back in to the PTSD and I, I went for a long walk with him and I sat him down and I said, I know what's going on here. You know, you pulled me back to my mission and now I haven't pursued it in the way that I need to. And um, and so you're sort of cycling back, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, and so from that point, it was like there there was nothing that I wouldn't sacrifice in order to pursue this. You know, it was like you're... I, I felt like my child was at stake, not just my own mission, but, you know, that there were people outside of me. I'm sure there's others, too, that I hope, you know, someday will benefit, you know, from what I'm doing. Um, but, yeah, so that was like the, the tie between myself and my son and him healing from the accident that just put me on this path that, you know, no matter what it takes. And, you know, so for the last three years, um, you know, I've just uh, held unbelievable number of events. I mean, if there is one person who will come and chant, I hold an event. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was sort of the impetus uh, to really get rolling. So um, do you have, what was the feedback or the, you know, after you, you were chanting to him, right? Well, because he couldn't do anything else, correct? Um, I, yes, I could chant. In fact, I had a session with this healer that I had mentioned where he, my son was asked to just put himself into just a receptive state, which for him was imagining skiing because he loves skiing. So that was a place where he could go where he could forget, you know, um, what was going on with him emotionally. Physically, he, he healed, um, you know, he had a micro brain hemorrhage, but that really should have been healed in about three months, but it was all the emotional and psychological things um, and just getting, you know, the brain to really work properly again that, that took much longer. So at one point we had this healing session and so he was just in his, um, 
you know, just visualizing for half an hour, you know, he's just going down a mountain. And I was chanting, I was actually doing um, a Buddhist chant for him. And the healer was working with us at a distance from Boise. So when it was all over, the next day she gave me a call and, um, and she said, um, she said, how did it go? And I said, you know, he's doing much better. He's much more stable, you know. And she said, well, I heard you chanting. You found it. This is your gift. This is, this is, this is the chalice that you need to pour yourself into. And uh, so that was sort of a confirmation that, you know, was directly, um, directly you know, related to his healing. Yeah, those children of ours, boy, they they come in as masters in ways that are unexpected. (laughs) And willing to, you know, sacrifice and go through a lot to keep their parents on track. (laughs) Right, right. They sacrifice in a different way than we do. And sometimes it's to teach us to stop sacrificing. (laughs) True. 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 I mean, because for me, um, it was... uh, having to move away from the things that I was comfortable with. I already, you know, was running a multimedia company, was, you know, earning a good living finally, and then this comes along, <laughs> you know, so so it's a different, uh, yeah, it's a different thing. You know, we're sacrificing sort of who we thought we were and, you know, the, the comforts that we managed to achieve for ourselves, and, uh, and they're sacrificing differently. Yeah. You had one more significant event tied to tied to getting you you out there in a greater way, correct? Yes, Yes, I did. (laughs) Interestingly enough, there was a tie with him for that as well. So I was I went to a kirtan. So I had started had started attending kirtan, but I wasn't leading. But I was very dedicated, you know, to this person that I had met at the Christmas party, and so I would I had gone. um, It was from about August until about April one year for like the end of 2014 or 2015 through 2016 and that night I was going and to get to the kirtan it was a full hour drive so two hours round trip and I had to go over a mountain pass so there's a mountain pass between Bozeman and Livingston and then it was down beyond Livingston uh, where the kirtan was being held so when I left that night my son said to me mom be careful you know the road it could it could snow and uh so this was the 25th of march i remember because it's like you know the 25th of december is christmas so it was the 25th of march so um so i was coming home and it wasn't that cold it was about 45 degrees um and it was raining so i thought you know no problem it's just raining but what happened was i went into the shadow of the mountain and where the rain had been hitting the road it had all turned to black ice but I realized that too late. So it was a 60 mile an hour zone. I was going 60 miles an hour, um, but I noticed like the cars around me like were going really slow. Like all of a sudden I'm passing all these cars and I'm thinking, what's going on? And then I tried to hit my brakes to slow down because I thought, you know, maybe there's like a moose on the road ahead or there's been an accident. And as I hit my brakes, I just slid instantly and I hit my brakes again and I slid again and then I was totally out of control. And I, you know, I hit the guardrail, went across the other side of the road and basically hit a mountain at like 60 miles an hour mm-hmm. and just flipped over and over, completely destroyed the car. But I had, it was like a near-death experience, you know, where I was in this space where no one else was in the car. I knew I wasn't going to hurt anyone else because I was off the road. 
but it was like time slowed and all of a sudden I just let go and I knew I'm either going to live or I'm going to die and there's nothing I can do about it right now. So it was like just waiting to find out if, if I was going to stay in this dimension or not. And, uh, and then when the car finally came to a stop, I was completely upside down. I was hanging from the seatbelt. Um, the roof was crushed. All the windows were broken. And immediately there were cars there, uh, fire truck. Um, you know, they basically pulled me out of a broken window um, because the car was in danger of rolling again. It was really like a precarious position. It, you know, and they were concerned it was either going to explode, light on fire, or it was gonna, it was gonna keep rolling. Um, so, you know, they got me out and got me away from it. And, and that was like, okay, <laughs> it was my child. And now it was this feeling if I don't pursue this, there's no reason to stay in this dimension, you know. And sure enough, that that son was the one that, you know, I called and he came to the scene of the accident. Um, so, so it was like, okay, now I have my son and my own life is really on the line. Like, I had, you know, sometimes you just reach a point where you fulfilled a lot of things that maybe were, I don't know, personal or karmic. And it was like I'd sort of reached that point where now I have to have, I have to fulfill the mission that's outside of caring for my own family, um, or, or I no longer have a reason for being here. So that was, that was pretty dramatic. Yeah. So how, is that how you, was the accident what really pushed you into it then? Or what was your, how, would, how did you yeah. shift after that? Right. So the accident, so there was a whole sequence, you know, my son had the accident, then it was a few years, then, you know, then I experienced Kirtan for the first time. And then this was in March. And by before the end of that year, I had, you know, gotten the harmonium, I was taking lessons. And, you know, by the next summer, you know, I was leading public Kirtan. So it moved very after the accident, after the accident, all hell broke loose. You know, it was like, I was going to pursue this no matter what. It was uh, a challenge in my family, my relationship with my husband. You know, suddenly, you know, I was pursuing a spiritual path when we had finally reached that point in life where we could have some stability, we could start planning for a future. The kids are almost raised. And I'm like, I'm going to pursue this. And, you know, and I'm like going off to California, going to Washington State, going to Colorado, taking training everywhere I could, learning everything I could about it, spending all my savings. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a major upheaval, you know, and some of my friends were like, Kathleen, are you sure you want to do this? This is like, this doesn't seem to be going so well for you. <laughs> You're like, no, I can't take another accident. <laughs> exactly. I was like, hey, it's better than what I just went through. <laughs> so yeah, that from that March after the accident, um, by the time the next March came around, my life had completely changed. You know, my husband had decided, okay, she, I'm not going to turn her away from this. I'm going to join her. So he joined and we actually started forming a band. And uh, yeah, so a year later, I was like um, in association with a lot of other artists who either either perform this kind of music or at least were familiar with it and could help, you know, could help me get started. Um, yeah, I was doing um, professional recordings, so I had something that I could put on my website. And yeah, it moved really fast after the accident. <laughs> okay, love. And now we need to get to the good part, the, the harmonium and the chanting and what you do and share with everyone 
um, the healing power of the chanting. You've got a whole book on this, and it is because our our voice is our truth chakra. It's connected to our power center, and so it's 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 a great great healing technique. Right. So I, you know, my interest was always in healing. And so when I started studying this, I was just so thrilled to find out that each of, especially when you're singing in Sanskrit, like there is a long, long tradition, thousands and thousands of years with Ayurvedic medicine and Vedic mantras, uh, where each each area of the body is associated with certain mantras, it's associated with certain elements, you know, like fire, water, air, space, earth, and and the way they look at it is they're not looking at balancing, you know, nutrition and carbohydrates and hormones and, you know, the kind of things that we look at in Western medicine. They're looking at let's balance the energy around this organ or around this physical body. And then once that's in balance, then that will move down, you know, to the physical dimension. So it's an interesting thing. It's sort of like right on that borderline because, of course, the sound is physical. So you're giving yourself a, an internal massage when you sing. Um, so it's physical and yet it's also spiritual at the same time. So it's almost like a bridge, you know, sound is like a bridge between dimensions. Light is the same kind of thing, light and color, you know? So, so I have studied that a lot. And when, when people started realizing what I was doing, I've had a number of people come to me and say, you know, my mother has lung cancer, you know, is there a chant that, you know, can, is useful for this? Or my friend has a liver disease, what can we do for that? You know, uh, or I'm having a problem with my eyes, you know, what kind of chants can we do for that? So it, I've sort of, I've sort of um, pursued it almost um, uh, by request, you know, as people have asked and understood my intention, um, then I've done more and more research, you know, to try to help a specific person. And then, of course, you know, that chant could be used for anyone who has uh, a similar condition. So I'm sort of building a repertoire of, um, of chants that can be used directly for healing, you know, as well as, you know, just the process of singing changes your brain chemistry. You know, the studies that are being done now showing that it releases dopamine, um, which is uh, uh, sort of an antidote for isolation in our society. It's like the, the friendship hormone. So, um, so there's a lot of things that happen just with any kind of group singing and then specifically with sacred singing. So it's, you know, it's happening in all these levels where you can use it very, very focused, you know, for a particular ailment, or you can, it can be a general thing, you know, for psychological and emotional health and spiritual uplift. Um, so yes, yeah, so the book, the book doesn't go into a lot of the Vedic mantras that are specific. It's it's an introduction. It's literally, you know, the title, of, the subtitle is an introduction to mantras, kirtan, and chanting. So it's it's uh, um, all the overarching concepts. So how do you do if? If someone is listening and they might have an area, lungs, liver, whatever that they want healing on, are you able to to pull out a chant just like that? <laughs> uh, depends. Probably okay. not for everything, but um, for a lot. Okay. Is is there someone listening that has the, the wants to request a chant for healing some area of the body? Let's see. Well, how about this? How about if you um, 
share one of them with us and then anyone who's listening can add to that and we'll do that one next. Okay. All right. So this is a chant. Um, this is for the liver and this is Om Agni Devaya Namaha. So Agni means fire. So you can think of it as fire is the element or as a personification of God as fire. And then Devaya Deva is masculine. So this is a masculine form of fire. So there's feminine and masculine, you know, for most of the elements and obviously a lot of feminine and masculine deities. So this one specifically was for someone facing liver disease. And, you know, the liver is often considered to be a storage place for, uh, for records, for, for memories. And, um, and so this is a fire that helps dissolve that if there's anything on those levels that's interfering with the function of the liver. So it's very simple. The Vedic chants are generally three tones, a low tone, a middle tone, and a high tone. Uh, sometimes I push that a little further and throw in a fourth or fifth tone just because um, in the West we're used to something that's more melodic. Um, but a lot of the Vedic chants are very simple. So this one is... Om Agni Devaya Namaha Om Agni Devaya Namaha Om Agni Devaya Namaha you know, you could do it faster, you know, it depends on, it's, you know, music is fascinating because there's so many different things that are going on, you know, so it's a very different feel if it's like, Om Agni Devaya Namaha, Om Agni, and it's very different if you play it in a different key, you know, so, so what I've been trying to do is put together, you know, first I started with the Eastern, you know, with the Hindu tradition. And now what I'm trying to do is put together some of the other traditions because there's a lot of similarities. Like in the ancient Greek tradition, they had the humors. And so they had their elements. They had four elements. And they had musical scales that went with each of those elements. So the kind of thing that I'm experimenting with now is taking a chant, say it's to uh, um, the Mother Ganges, 
So Gange Mata is the name of the goddess associated with Mother Ganges. And so that, that would be a water chant. And then in the Greek tradition, the Dorian mode is associated with the water element. So I would take the traditional chant to Mother Ganges and then write a melody that's in the Dorian mode. And then the rhythm is the same. Like if you do a, if you do a chant that's more like you can get it it's like a one one two three one two three one two three one so that's more like waves you know so that is also you know there's certain so there's certain rhythms that are associated with water you know a lot of the fire ones um, would be more repeating the same note you know you know and it's like a really intense energy so it's just it's just endless. I mean, it's a lifetime study. I'm gonna. I have to live at least another half a century. <laughs> it's gonna. It'll take that long because there's like, there's seed syllables, you know, that are for divine electricity or magnetism, and you know, to learn how to really meld all of that so that it's the so that it's healing on with so many different aspects working together. You know, so this is a, a very, you know, a very simple chant, you know, I usually do this one just like I did, you know, very meditative style, but there's a whole, there's a lot that can, you know, there's a lot of variety, a lot that can be done. So it's typically, so I've, I've been to several, I'm just, I, I love going to chanting and there's not a lot of opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, it, it's almost like well, it's a higher state of meditating almost because you're involving more than just shutting off your mind. You're, you're singing a mantra and, right. and then you have the value of the group of all the people that you're with. And so it's like a call and response, right? Do you, can you yes. share a little bit? Yeah. So in the, in the Hindu tradition, a lot of it, you know, you would sing um, one line. So the leader would sing a line and then everyone sings it back. And there's, you know, there's all different variations on that. So that is really, um, that is creating a different flow, you know, and a different connection that goes back and forth. So that's a very good point because, you know, there's different ways to do the singing when you're in a group versus when you're by yourself. So if you're singing all the same melody, you know, that's a, that's a focus that allows you to go more like from your heart up to your source. And if you're singing in a group and there's harmony going on, then that's a whole different feel. That's like, you know, like a choir of angels, you know, singing in harmony. But interestingly enough, it's more of a horizontal thing because in order for people to be singing in harmony, they have to be listening to everyone around them. So to, to sing all together like that, you're, you're connecting even more with a group. So if you want... Um, you know, I, when I have a band with me, then I have response leaders. So people have someone to follow when they're, when they're singing a response. If I sing a line and then, you know, and then everyone's singing, I have a couple of band members that do that. If I'm just leading by myself, which of course is mostly what I've been doing um, since COVID hit in March, um, I was told when I, I did some events uh, in March and June in a, in a yo local yoga studio, but we were limited to having 10 people. So if I have four members in the band, that's like, you know, half, <laughs> half the people. So, so I would just do it myself. And then I tend to sing continuously. 
and do sort of both the call and the response and have everyone else sing continuously. So one is more meditative, you know, with your own source. Um, and then if you're doing harmony or if you're doing the call and response, then you have to pay more attention to what's happening right here in this dimension. You know, what's ha what the, you know, if you're singing at the same time as the person next to you, and if you're not, then maybe, um, maybe you're singing at the wrong point or at the wrong time. <laughs> so yeah, it's a very different feeling and you can create a lot of different experiences um, just with the group and even how, how you set things up. You know, um, there are some there are some choirs and some groups that are specifically for healing. The Threshold Choirs is one. They sing to people in hospice, where you know they orient around a single individual. And there's another group that does that a similar thing for healing, so that someone is in the center, you know, lying on a bed if it's hospice, or even just sitting in a chair. And everyone is singing around them, so they have that vibration coming from all directions. Um, so that's a different format. You know, you can you can use crystals in the room to help you know hold energy uh, in different ways. Um, there's you know people who use a yurt or use um, you know specific uh, architecture that really you know helps to amplify energy. So there's there's a lot that can be done, and uh, you know it's like the mantra is the is the like the the beginning. It's the core, but coming out from that, you know, there's there's a, a lot that can be done as well. Well, you mentioned the Ganges, and now I can't stop thinking about it. I I, I was just on the Ganges in December. Oh, so do you do you have a? a I do. Let me see. I'm, I know I sprang this on you. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I think I've got one here close by. Yes. Okay. So here I have the one to the Mother Ganges. Okay. So that's I just just played a phrase of that, but I'll play the whole thing. So the words are a little uh, a little complicated, but I'll tell you just so you're familiar. Um, it's Om Jai Gange Mata, Shri Jai Gange Mata, Om Shade Data Gange. Mata Namo Nama. So what this means is Shade is purity, and then Data is to give or to disperse. So this this chant is asking Mother Ganges, will you disperse your purity? Jai Gange Mata, Shri Jai Gange Mata. Om Jai Gange Mata, Shri Jai Gange Mata. Om Shade Tata Gange Mata Namo Nama. Om Shate Tata Gange Mata Namo Nama Om Jai Gange Mata Shri Jai Gange Mata Om Jai Gange Mata Shri Jai Gange Mata 
Om Shate Tata Gunge Patanamonamma Om Shate Tata Gunge Patanamonamma Om Jai Gunge Mata Shri Jai Gunge Mata Om Jai Gange Mata Shri Jai Gange Mata Om Shate Tata Gange Mata Namo Nama Om Shate Tata Gange Mata Namo Nama I saw myself floating down the Ganges again. And wow, that's really a happy, it's, it's really a happy chant. I mean, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be quite satisfied if I was the mother Ganges and that was my chant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did this chant just, oh, three or four weeks ago. A friend and I went down to the Yellowstone River and um, so the Yellowstone River, I, I am convinced that it's one of our holy rivers in the United States. It is the largest or the longest undammed river. So it's considered a wild river. So it's the longest wild river in the country. So we went down and we found a spot, you know, on the shore along the Yellowstone and did about an hour of water chants, including this one. And it was really, it was really a cool experience, you know. And there were people floating by, you know, there were boats, fishing boats going by, and, and we were just chanting on the shore. But I loved it. I think the next thing I want to do is find a waterfall and chant near a waterfall. You know? uh, well, your chanting is powerful because that, that brings me to, to the next topic is this, you were in Montana at the Megaglyphs, right? Megaglyphs, it's called? Lys, yeah, L-I-T-H yeah. at the end, Megaglyph. Okay, and where where is this? So that is, um, so megaliths are, I'm not sure why there's a lot of different names. Standing Stones is another name. Dolmens is another name. So they're like Stonehenge. So um, they were discovered. There's a woman here in Montana in Helena. Her name is Julie Ryder, and she is a total expert on all of the sacred stones in Montana and all the configurations of sacred stones. So the ones that um, I went to and that I was chanting at are about 90-minute drive from where I am near Boulder, Montana, um, which is aptly named because they're these unbelievable, huge, incredible boulders. So what happened was, uh, it was two years ago, two falls ago, I gave my husband a tour with Julie for a birthday present. And we, we went and she, she has people meet her and then she does these guided tours. So we went and spent an entire day with her and there's, there's a, a place called the Giants Playground that is a concentration of a lot of these. So there's dolmen, dolmen are the ones where there's really tall stones and then there's like a capstone, like an altar. Mm -hmm. um, so there was one of those. There is uh, a number of places where there's uh, 
they're all granite, mostly black granite, stacked on top of each other, just like walls, like layers of walls. Um, and the place where I was chanting, there's one that's called the Pink Vault. And this is a configuration, it's like a wall, and there's black granite stones below, and then there's black granite in the middle, and then there's a third layer. But in that middle layer, there's a pink stone, a huge pink boulder that's in between all of these black granite. So um, when Julie has had people come there and, you know, really examine it to see, is was this just created by glaciers or is this like some ancient man-made thing? That particular configuration was considered the most evidential of something being man-made because the pink granite, uh, the closest pink granite was 50 miles away. So, you know, for that pink granite to have been placed in the center of all of these black granite like that was man-made. Um, so what happened was I had told Julie when I got there in the morning, she was, there was a small group, there were six or eight of us. She wanted to know why had everyone come. And I said, well, I have this idea that I want to chant in all the sacred sites in the world. And since this is right here, this is the closest thing to a sacred site, you know, to my own home, I thought I should come. And then nothing more was said. And we went through the whole day and we saw all kinds of incredible things. And then at the very end of the day, she said, well, you know, if you all want to just, you know, uh, go back and look at some of the others again, you know, we'll just have a little bit of individual time before we end the tour. So I went right back to that pink vault. I just thought, to me, that was the most attractive place just energetically. And so I went over there and I was literally standing up like with my hands on the pink vault. And so Julie was across a creek and across a little valley from me. And she said, um, Kathleen, chant for us. And I was like, really, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that. But I thought, well, okay. So I started chanting. My husband was there with me. He knew the chant, so he started chanting with me. And we chanted for a few minutes. And then we stopped, and I went back to where she was. And she said, well, I tried to get it on video, um, but a plane flew over, and I couldn't hear anything. And so she thought she hadn't gotten anything. And the next morning, I got an email from her, and she said, well, when I thought that I had the videotape off, it was actually still recording for a few seconds. And what she saw in the recording was a waterfall of pink light coming down just where I had been chanting. You know, I had stepped away and it was, and she said this to me, she was like, look at this, you know. <laughs> so I did, did you get that picture? Uh, yes, I'm gonna try screen share it right now. It is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Because I just took a still out of her video to save for myself. There we go. Yep. Let me get it bigger. There it is. Yeah. So you can see to the left of the waterfall, you see where there's a black stone and then there's lighter colored stone underneath it. Uh huh. So that's the pink granite under the black granite. So that's where I was standing when I was chanting. And so this came down, you know, in front. This is just incredible. I've seen so many cool orb photos, ascended beings, fairies in photos, and this is just, it looks tangible. Like, yeah. you, could, you could touch it. it. It looks so 
real. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this yeah. has been, this is honestly, it's been such a comfort for me because yeah. you know, anytime you're pursuing something that is, you know, a whole, a whole new direction in life and, you know, is not familiar to many people um, and really sort of trying to break new ground with something. Um, every time that I would get up to a place where I would start to get discouraged, I would remember this and I would think, well, you know, even if I'm just chanting in my basement, it's affecting the world, I believe, in a positive way. And I would just remember this pink waterfall and I'll say, well, you know, I can just keep creating this pink waterfall, you know. So it, it's just, it's been wonderful to have this as evidence that, that, um, that there's change happening, that it is transformational. Yes, yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a new moon ceremony. And I thought we would start at the root chakra. And because before you can even open your heart, you need to feel safe first. And the root chakra is the place of safety. And so that we'd start there, go to the heart. And depending on time, if we can add the moon chant, and then I want to do that ancient chant that you did to bring that waterfall in. Mm -hmm. And so um, first, if everyone would just set an intention, because the energy flows towards our focus or our intention. So whether that be an intention to open the heart or for personal healing or for whatever it may be, just connect, collect, connect with your heart now. And, and set an intention for this ceremony. And so when you got that intention good and clear, we can begin with your root chakra chant. Okay, so this is Om Gang Ganapataye Namaha. So Ganapataye is another name for Ganesha. So that's the elephant-headed goddess, um, elephant-headed uh, associated with the root chakra because it's very, very grounding. So Om Gang Ganapataye Namaha. Om Gang Ganapataye Namaha Om Gang Ganapataye Namaha Om Gang Ganapataye Namaha Om Gang Ganapataye Namaha
ready to move up to the heart. So this chant is Om Hrim Namah, just those three words. So Hrim is the Sanskrit seed syllable for the fire of the heart within the heart. So it's like the, the cave within the heart or the secret chamber of the heart or the interior castle or whatever you think of as that spiritual place that's within the heart. Five, six minutes left. Do we have time to do the new, the moon chant and the ancient chant or just sure. one of them? Okay. Yeah. Let's do the moon one. We'll just do this okay. one a few times. Okay. So this is Om Chum Chandraya Namaha. So Chum is one of the seed syllables for the moon and Chandra is uh, like a god of the moon. 
And this is Vedic style, just a few notes up and down. Om Chum Chundraya Namaha 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 So what I try to do at least once a month is um, there are mantras for, you know, the sun, the moon, Venus, Jupiter, you know, all the planets. Um, so I try to have at least one kirtan where it's focused on the astrological chants to hopefully clear things for the month. Uh, let's, so, let's go ahead. Go ahead. Just, I didn't want you to run out of time. So. Well, no, no, we're, we're good. We, we still have three, four minutes, so. Okay, good. So the chant that I did at the Megalis um, that was associated with that pink stream is a chant to uh, Eastern goddess Lalita. So she's a Hindu goddess. And interestingly enough, she is associated with the color pink. So all of the gods and goddesses, you know, are associated with different colors. This is not a chant that I wrote, and it's not a traditional chant. It's actually written by Craig Pruis and Ananda. Um, so I just want to give credit to them uh, for the chant. And they they have a very long chant, about 20 minutes long, that goes through a whole sequence of goddesses. So it's like a chant to the Divine Mother. And this is one segment that um, I've taken out, and I just really have focused on this one segment. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Thank you. It's always so nice to just kind of feel the reverberation kind of after, after yeah. the chants. <laughs> Definitely. 
So if people want to find, because you do daily chants, right? Or weekly chants or something that people can go. Mornings, every morning on Instagram. So it's 730 to 8 o'clock Montana time, but then I post it on IGTV. So then all of the recordings are available ongoing. And then I link it over from my website and from Facebook. Um, but it's live on Instagram every morning. So can you tell everyone where they can find you? What vocal medicine. So the website is vocal medicine. Instagram is vocal medicine. Facebook is vocal medicine music. So if you search on Instagram and you'd find it through my name as well, Kathleen Carlson. Um, but the last name is a Norwegian spelling, K-A-R-L-S-E-N. So the vocal medicine is sometimes easier for people to remember than the fact that I have an unusual spelling for the Kathleen Carlson. But you'd find it either way. Right. This, this was so lovely. So much fun to do this live where I can see you doing it. Yeah, um, this was great. Yes, we've done on the phone before, but this was, yeah. this was fun. So much more fun. And thank you for the, the commenters who jumped in, Jody and Guy Man. It's fun to see comments from people so we know that there's actually people out there listening. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope everyone enjoyed our little new moon chanting kirtan ceremony and have a great week. Thanks, Kathleen, and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for listening in to Light Laughter and Lattes. It has been my honor and pleasure. Please visit jerryhab.wix.com and check out my services and my packages. I work with people in person and from a distance, and I also give free 15-minute consultations. And so until next week, may your week be filled with light, laughter, and a whole lot of love.